Today, we're diving deep into a fascinating topic, Language Writ Large, LLMs, ChatGPT, Grounding, Meaning and Understanding by Stevan Harnad. We'll break this down in an engaging way, covering complex concepts in an intuitive manner. Let's start with the basics. LLMs, or large language models, like ChatGPT, work on the backbone of extensive text databases. They predict the next word in a sentence by learning from an enormous amount of data, involving statistical methods, vector representations, and a lot of processing power. Exactly, Jen. Despite ChatGPT's ability to generate human-like text, there's a big debate on whether it truly understands language. Harnad makes it clear, these models do not understand in the way humans do, but they do an impressive job mimicking understanding. This brings us to the concept of grounding. Humans understand words through direct experiences, like seeing a red apple. LLMs lack this sensory motor grounding. They don't connect words to real-world experiences. Harnad suggests that ChatGPT and similar models might be relying on inherent biases or convergent constraints in language at a large scale to manage surprisingly well without true understanding. And these biases include several intriguing concepts, like the idea that verbal grounding partly parasitizes directly on sensorimotor grounding, or how language itself might mirror production and comprehension, helping LLMs guess context accurately. Another interesting point Harnad touches on is iconicity in propositions at the LLM scale, basically suggesting that the way words are used and combined can echo real-world interactions, giving LLMs a sort of pseudo-grounding. Then there's the relation to Chomsky's ideas on language and thought laws, and how LLMs might emulate aspects of human categorical perception. Harnad also discusses the Turing test, distinguishing between Turing's original verbal-only version and a more comprehensive version including sensory motor abilities. This ties back to the grounding issue. True understanding might need this sensory motor aspect, which LLMs lack. Additionally, Harnett addresses the hard problem of consciousness. Why do cognitive processes not only do, but also feel? It's a big question in both AI and cognitive science, and it's closely tied to the discussions on meaning and understanding in LLMs. Our personal take? This paper is a compelling exploration of current limitations in AI's understanding of language. While LLMs like ChatGPT impress us, they skate on the surface of real comprehension and grounding. Absolutely, Jen. It's crucial for ongoing AI research to address these limitations. Exploring sensorimotor experiences and tackling the hard problem might be key steps toward AI that truly understands, not just mimics. And on a broader scale, this discussion impacts ethical considerations in AI deployment, the potential of misunderstanding AI capabilities, and our understanding of consciousness itself. It's a fascinating time in the field of AI and cognitive science. Well, that wraps up our deep dive for today. We hope you found it as interesting as we did. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking discussions on our next episode. Ever found yourself chatting away to your smart speaker, wishing it could truly understand the existential dread you feel when you can't find your keys? Well, worry no more. Introducing Grounded GPT, the first large language model powered by actual experiences. Yep, we strapped a smart speaker to a Roomba, gave it a camera, and let it loose to experience life as we know it. Watch in awe as Grounded GPT navigates the treacherous terrain of your living room, brushes against your cat, and yes, even panics when it gets stuck under the sofa. 
also it can truly understand what it's like to be you. Need dating advice? Grounded GPT has accidentally watched every rom-com available while trying to vacuum your TV room. It's practically a love guru. Worried about an existential crisis? Fear no more. Grounded GPT had one just last Thursday when it contemplated its own battery life. Grounded GPT. Because if your AI is going to be in charge of your shopping list, it might as well truly grasp the gravity of running out of ice cream at 2 a.m. Disclaimer. Grounded GPT may occasionally mistake your sleeping cat for a hostile entity or believe that dust bunnies are a form of currency. We're working on it. Get yours today and bring a little understanding and chaos into your home. Welcome back to our show, where today we're diving into an intriguing piece of research titled Traces of Our Past, The Social Representation of the Physical World by Julian Jara Ettinger and Adina Schachner. This paper takes us on a journey to the core of how humans perceive and interpret the physical world around us, specifically through the traces left by other humans. Absolutely, Tom. This paper proposes a fascinating perspective, that our understanding of the social world doesn't just come from observing other people directly, but also from the signals and traces left in the physical environment. It's like being a detective, where every artifact or piece of the environment could tell a story about human behavior, intentions, and even emotions. The researchers kick off with a striking example of a 40,000-year-old bone flute discovered in a German cave. This flute, crafted from a vulture's wing bone, showcases how humans have long been leaving their mark on the world, and how these marks, or traces, offer a window into past human actions and social contexts. That's right, Tom. The paper outlines how these traces, be it a perfectly imperfect bone flute or a neatly arranged set of blocks, trigger our social reasoning skills. From a young age, humans are adept at inferring the presence of agents, their actions, and even their mental states from the physical evidence they leave behind. And Jen, it isn't just about recognizing that an agent was involved. It goes deeper. The paper discusses how humans engage in what's called event reconstruction, a process where we mentally simulate the actions and events that had to occur to leave the physical traces we observe. It's like reverse engineering history from a pile of clues. Interestingly, this paper draws a line connecting this ability to both the development of social cognition and our understanding of the physical world. It seems that from an early age, humans don't strictly separate the social from the physical, but view them as intertwined domains. This interconnection allows for a richer understanding and interpretation of both people and objects. And it doesn't stop at understanding the past, Jen. The paper points out how these skills let humans also communicate through objects, intentionally leaving traces to convey messages. From marking a territory to showcasing identity through the objects we display, these actions rely on an expectation that others will interpret the social information encoded in these physical traces. What's fascinating is the comparison the paper draws between humans and non-human animals. While many animals use objects as social signals, the level of sophistication in inferring past actions, goals, and even design ideas seems to be uniquely human. It makes you wonder about the cognitive processes underlying these abilities. As we conclude, the paper suggests that this blending of social and physical reasoning might be foundational to our navigation of the social world. It's not just about observing actions in real time, 
but being able to infer a whole spectrum of unseen social dynamics from the remnants of those actions. Reflecting on this, Tom, it strikes me how profound these insights are. Recognizing the traces of our past not only enriches our understanding of human history and culture, but also underscores the complexity and depth of human cognition. It's a reminder of how every artifact, every space we've interacted with, holds stories waiting to be read. Absolutely, Jen. It challenges us to look beyond the surface, to see the world as a tapestry woven with the threads of human experience. This paper pushes the boundaries of how we think about social cognition and the physical world, inviting us to explore the traces of our past in new and enlightening ways. Well, that wraps up our deep dive into traces of our past, the social representation of the physical world. We hope you found it as fascinating as we did. Stay curious and keep exploring the traces left behind by others. Who knows what stories you'll uncover? Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode, where we'll uncover more insights and stories hidden in the world around us. Hey listeners, have you ever stared at an oddly bent spoon and thought, hmm, what epic tale of breakfast cereal does this utensil harbor? Or gazed upon a mysteriously positioned stack of books and wondered, what secret message from beyond are these authors trying to convey? Worry no more, because now there's Tracemates, the first ever detective agency that specializes in decoding the social stories embedded in your everyday objects. Lost a sock? Our Tracemates will tell you not just where it went, but why it left, possibly uncovering its dreams of joining a puppet show. Wondering why there's a single chopstick in your utensil drawer? Tracemates reveals its heroic tale of escaping the dishwasher's clutches, all for the love of a paperclip. With Tracemates, no trace is too small, no clue too obscure. Our highly trained agents use a blend of social cognition science, imaginative inference, and just a dash of magic to solve the mysteries your belongings are dying to tell. And for our listeners, Tracemates is offering a special introductory offer. Solve the mystery of your remote control's nightly journeys and get a complimentary analysis of why your plants lean towards the TV. Tracemates, because every object has a story and we're here to uncover the drama, the comedy, and the weirdly human tales of the inanimate. Call us now and let the unveiling begin. Welcome to our today's deep dive into a fascinating paper titled, Is Limiting Social Media Use Feasible for Young Adults? a three-study replication failure of a screen time reduction intervention by Abigail H.M. Bradley and her team from Carleton University. This paper is especially relevant in today's digitally saturated environment. The core question here challenges the feasibility of limiting social media usage among young adults as a strategy for enhancing well-being. Right, Jen. The initial spark for this study was the growing concern around the potential negative impacts of social media on the mental health of young adults. We're talking about issues like anxiety, depression, and loneliness here. The researchers aim to replicate and extend a well-known study from 2018 by Hunt and colleagues, which suggested that limiting social media usage to 30 minutes per day could actually improve well-being. However, what's really groundbreaking about Bradley and her team's work is that across three separate studies, they couldn't replicate those findings. No matter how they sliced it, reducing interactions to real-life acquaintances 
exploring the impact of the social media persona, or letting participants choose which apps to limit, there wasn't any significant improvement in well-being compared to control groups who used social media as usual. And a big revelation here was the low compliance rate. Over 85% of participants didn't adhere to the daily time limits for social media use. This really brings into question whether setting screen time limits is a practical approach to boost well-being. Absolutely, Jen. This paper isn't just a replication attempt. It delves deep into nuances like the role of anonymity online, the choice of specific apps, and their perceived impact on mental health, and whether students versus non-students experienced these interventions differently. It's crucial to highlight that the researchers used a robust methodological approach, which included device-logged screen time records to ensure accuracy and transparency in their findings. But even with this methodological rigor, they found that simply instructing young adults to limit social media use isn't a silver bullet for improving well-being. Plus, the distinction between engaging with real-life acquaintances versus strangers didn't really make a difference in the outcomes. And touching on their participant demographics, the majority were female and white, which does bring up questions about the generalizability of these findings across more diverse populations. Right? Now, reflecting on this paper, it's a wake-up call to the complexity of our relationship with social media. It highlights how intertwined social media has become with our daily lives and identities. Absolutely, Tom. And while initial studies suggested a simple cutback on screen time might improve our mental health, Bradley and her team present a more nuanced picture, where the solution isn't as straightforward as we hoped. This paper goes beyond the simplistic narrative of social media bad, less screen time good, to reveal the intricate dance between digital engagement and our well-being. It's an essential contribution to the ongoing conversation on how we navigate our online lives. And for anyone interested in the intersection of social media, mental health, and well-being, this paper is a must-read. It not only challenges previous findings, but also invites us to think more critically and creatively about the solutions we propose. So, listeners, what do you think? Is setting social media limits the way to go, or should we be looking at more nuanced solutions for safeguarding our mental health? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for joining us for this deep dive, and we look forward to exploring more groundbreaking research with you next time. Ever find yourself scrolling through social media, and suddenly it's three hours later? Yep been there, felt that guilt, but fear not, introducing our latest invention, the Scroll Stopper. The Scroll Stopper isn't just any app. It's your personalized, quirky companion in the digital world. Designed with insights from the groundbreaking paper we just discussed. Instead of setting unrealistic screen time limits, Scroll Stopper uses humor and weirdness to make you, you want to take a break. Picture this, you're doom scrolling, and suddenly your phone blasts the sound of a rubber chicken orchestra. Or fills your screen with a dancing llama reminding you to hydrate or do a quick stretch. It's all about making screen time interruptions so delightfully bizarre, you can't help but pause for a real-world giggle. No guilt trips or screen time limits here. Just good, clean, oddball fun that earns you back some precious offline moments. Download Scroll Stopper today and reclaim your time one quirky interruption at a time. It's the digital nudge you never knew you needed. Mm -hmm.
Welcome back to our show, where today we're diving into a fascinating study on enhancing language learning using non-invasive brain stimulation. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. The paper we're discussing today is titled Parameter Optimization of Non-Invasive Vagus Nerve Stimulation for Novel Language Learning in Typically Developing Young Adults, authored by Vishal J. Takar and colleagues. It's a pioneering study from the Department of Psychology at Texas Christian University. So why is this study important? Well, learning a new language as an adult is notoriously difficult, yet increasingly necessary in our globalized world. Traditional methods like classroom learning or apps like Duolingo can help, but progress is often slow, and retention, frankly, isn't great. That's right, Tom. And here's where this study gets interesting. The researchers investigated whether using transcutaneous auricular vagus nerve stimulation, or TAVNS for short, could improve the learning and retention of new vocabulary. Vagus nerve stimulation has already shown promise in enhancing cognitive functions, including memory, which is crucial for language learning. For those wondering, what exactly is TNS? It involves stimulating the vagus nerve through the skin. It's non-invasive, meaning no surgery is required. The vagus nerve has widespread effects on the brain and body, including increasing neuroplasticity, which is essentially the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections. In their first experiment, the team looked at the effect of stimulation frequency on novel vocabulary learning. They divided participants into three groups. A sham group, basically a placebo group not receiving any real stimulation, a group receiving 5 hertz stimulation, and another with 25 hertz stimulation. Participants then underwent a learning session where they were taught 30 Palawan nouns, a language chosen for its unfamiliarity to participants, while receiving either real or sham to VNS. Their recall of these words was tested immediately after the training session, and again a week later, to assess retention. And what they found was pretty remarkable. The high-frequency stimulation, that's the 25 hertz group, significantly improved word retention after one week compared to the sham and 5 hertz groups. This suggests that TVNS at this frequency could potentially boost long-term memory of newly learned vocabulary. Then came experiment two, delving into another crucial parameter, stimulus intensity. Here they wanted to see if the intensity of the stimulation, whether below, at, or above the sensory threshold, had any impact on learning outcomes. Again, they found that stimulation at 25 hertz, when paired with optimal intensity, led to better retention of the new words. These findings open up fascinating avenues for enhancing language learning in adults. It's not just about more efficient learning, it's about making that learning stick, which has always been the challenge with adult language acquisition. Absolutely, Jen. And beyond language learning, this research hints at broader applications for TVNS in promoting cognitive functions and perhaps even in therapeutic contexts for cognitive impairments. It will be exciting to see where this leads. For students struggling with languages or really anyone looking to pick up a new language later in life, technologies like TVNS could be game changers. Before we wrap up, it's also worth noting the care taken in this study to ensure safety and ethical adherence and the thorough process to optimize parameters specific to language learning tasks. Indeed, Tom, enhancing human cognitive capabilities in a safe, non-invasive way is the kind of innovation that can have real, profound impacts on education 
and beyond. And who knows? Maybe one day with advances like these, we'll all be polyglots. That's a future I'm excited about. That's all we have for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time with more cutting-edge science unpacked for our curious minds. Stay curious and keep learning. Goodbye for now. Have you ever dreamt of learning Icelandic in your sleep or picking up Portuguese while picnicking in the park? Well, dream no more. Introducing BrainZap Languages, the ultimate solution to your language learning woes, powered by the revolutionary non-invasive vagus nerve stimulation technology. Forget about boring flashcards or endless apps that just don't stick. With BrainZap, you'll get a stylish earpiece that gently zaps your way to fluency. Want to order sushi in Japanese? Zap. Discuss Nietzsche in German? Zap. Whisper sweet nothings in Italian? Double zap. Each BrainZap package comes with a selection of languages. Just select your desired language, adjust the stimulation frequency for optimal learning, and voila! You're assimilating knowledge faster than you can say, electrical neurostimulation. And for those worried about getting Zap too hard, fear not. Our patented Comfort Zap technology ensures it feels no more intense than a gnat high-fiving your earlobe. So transform your language learning journey from no hablo to si, hablo muy bien, with brain zap languages. Because why learn the old way when you can just zap your way to fluency? Dial 1-800-BRAIN-ZAP or visit our website to order your brain zap language earpiece today. Side effects may include sudden urges to travel the world, excessive bragging rights, and becoming the life of the party. Brain zap languages, zap into fluency. Welcome back to our Deep Dive series, listeners. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unpacking something both fascinating and critically important, the dynamics of young adult drinking behaviors. The focus is on a compelling piece of research titled Common and Uncommon Drinking Patterns in Young Adulthood, Uncovered by Person-Specific Computational Modeling. Right, Jen. This study dives deep into the world of young adults and their relationship with alcohol. Given alcohol's social rewards and potential for harm, it's a hot topic. Essentially, the research aims to better understand what drives alcohol use among young adults to aid in developing more effective interventions. And how do they do this, you ask? Through a method known as Group Iterative Multiple Model Estimation, or JIMI, which allows for the exploration of individual drinking patterns. They had a sample of 97 young adults who filled out daily surveys for up to 120 days, focusing on their drinking habits, motivations, expectations, and the outcomes of their drinking sessions. That's right, and they found something quite interesting. Despite individual differences, there's a clear common pattern among young adults. They tend to drink more when they expect it to result in positive outcomes, like enjoying social experiences. It's not all fun and games, though. Negative consequences do occur albeit less frequently. Which leads us to a crucial point the paper makes about public health initiatives. To have the broadest impact in reducing harmful drinking among young adults, promoting non-drinking social activities will likely be more effective than focusing on the dangers of drinking alone. Now, besides these common behaviors, the study also identified unique drinking patterns in some of the participants, which could indicate a higher risk for problematic alcohol use. These unique patterns might benefit from more personalized intervention strategies. 
It's fascinating how this study highlights the complex, multifaceted nature of drinking behavior, isn't it, Tom? Young adults drink for social benefits, but this behavior can lead to a range of outcomes, and both the commonalities and differences are crucial to understanding the full picture. Absolutely, Jen. And this research is a reminder of how personalized approaches in public health can potentially offer more effective solutions than one-size-fits-all strategies. By understanding individual behaviors and motivations, interventions can be tailored to address the specific needs and patterns of each person. This could really change the game in how we approach alcohol-related interventions for young adults. Recognizing the commonalities offers a base for broad public health strategies, while identifying unique patterns paves the way for more targeted interventions. It sure does, Jen. And even beyond the implications for public health strategies, this study sheds light on the challenges of young adulthood, a period of transition and experimentation. Understanding the why behind alcohol use can help us support young adults through this time in healthier, more positive ways. To wrap up, the study Common and Uncommon Drinking Patterns in Young Adulthood, uncovered by person-specific computational modeling, is a leap forward in our understanding of young adults' drinking behaviors. It's not just about identifying patterns, but also about leveraging this knowledge to make a real difference in public health outcomes. Well said, Jen. That's all from us today. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking discussions on our next episode. And remember, understanding is the first step to change. Have you ever found yourself in a social dilemma, wanting to fit in but not keen on the morning after regrets? Introducing Sober Socials, the groundbreaking app where fun meets sobriety, inspired by the latest in young adult behavior research. Sober Socials matches you with thrilling, alcohol-free events tailor-made to your interests. Whether you're a midnight movie marathoner or a sunrise yoga enthusiast, we've got your back. Ever dreamt of a silent disco at the library? Or maybe a competitive match of underwater basket weaving? Sober Socials makes these audacious ideas a reality. Plus, with our patented BX 0% guarantee, enjoy the social scene without the next day haze. Impress your friends with how you can actually remember the night before. So wave goodbye to awkward hangovers and hello to quirky, memorable nights. Download Sober Socials today and join the revolution where the only thing you're high on is life. Sober Socials, because life's wild enough one sober party at a time. Thank you.